Well, hello, everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning in here to our weekly podcast at Sailorville Church. Uh, thanks so much for being a part of this. We are in our church auditorium. This is coming to you via audio, of course, because we are uh, just beginning a major remodel project, and a lot of our video stuff is uh, in storage and being used other places. But we wanted to uh, just have a conversation with Pastor Paul Seymour, who preached this last Sunday morning. Hello. And uh, it was a great message uh, called Overwhelmed. And uh, mm-hmm. really, the passage was Isaiah chapter 6, and we'll dig into that here in just a little bit. But we're also joined by Meredith Jackson, who's on our counseling team. Paul, you work with Meredith quite a bit in the counseling realm. And uh, I also work with you quite a bit, Meredith. <laughs> on the uh, home front. Yeah. On, the, on the home front, <laughs> etc. cetera. Uh, <laughs> Meredith is my wife, so uh, we get to be a part of this together. Thanks, Paul, for inviting us to be part of this Absolutely, conversation. Yeah. So, Paul, you began, uh, one of the statements you made this last Sunday morning um, was that you sort of introduced yourself as uh, our our elder over music. You said, I'm the music guy, but some people call me the worship pastor. And I think maybe to some people there's, like, what's the distinction there? Why why would we shy away a little bit from giving you the title of worship pastor, especially after a message on worship? From Isaiah chapter six, and what's kind of your philosophy? Just kind of teach us a little bit on the, yeah. the title of who you are. Yeah, we uh, we talk about that a lot in the music ministry, actually. And it, you know, really, you could take any uh, any elder, any staff member, and call them, you know, a, an elder over worship, mm-hmm. or a, a counseling, you know, person over worship, because the the philosophy, I think, what the Bible teaches is that everything that we do. Is worship, and that's what what we talk about as our as our uh, our core value here at Centerville too. Is that every it's surrendering every moment, whether you're singing or whether you're um, washing the dishes. You know, if you're doing that as unto the Lord, you know, adorning the gospel with how you live, that is worship. So, I guess the 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 cringe for me comes in when you know the the pastor of worship thing. It's like it's not it's it kind of pinpoints it as just music, mm-hmm. and that's a I think a big misnomer. Um, in, in a lot of evangelical churches is like, okay, it's time for worship. Okay. Now it's time for preaching. Well, no, it's all worship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're worshiping in the word. We're worshiping in music. And then we're worshiping as a family around the dinner table, right? It's yeah. just, it's how we do it as we live for the Lord. So that's why we kind of shy away from the, the pastor of worship or um, even necessarily the worship ministry, right? Where yeah. every ministry is a worship ministry. If we do it in the, in the right, the right heart uh, attitude and, and biblically, I think. So yeah, it really sort of tips your tips your hand towards um, where the message went uh, from the passage in Isaiah chapter six. All yeah. everything that we do can and should be worship as followers of Jesus. Yeah, um, but we typically maybe traditionally think of Sunday morning as more of the worship. Now, people that are listening to this didn't see this, but when you said when we wash the dishes. That can be worship. You looked right at my wife, assuming, <laughs> I suppose. That was not intentional, Jason. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> I've been known to wash a dish once in a while uh, as well. But uh, talk to us just quickly about that whole idea of, you know, being maybe maybe being a parent, being a mom, uh, even being a, a kid worshiping at home in just everything that we do, not just showing up on Sunday morning and putting on your worship clothes mm-hmm. or your worship heart or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, I've heard you say before, um, Pastor Paul, that <laughs> worship is a lifestyle. Yeah. Um, I think that was one of the things that you said right when we first got here. And I, it took me by surprise for a second because you don't often think of doing the dishes as worship, but really understanding that every possible thing that you could do 
for moms, it's folding laundry. It's, mm -hmm. it's the thousand snack, you know. Yeah. Our kids are getting ready to go back to school, and what are they going to do without three breakfasts <laughs> and 45 <laughs> snacks all before lunchtime? Sometimes that can feel monotonous and lose its, loses the wonder mm. or the specialness of it. But that's just a perspective thing. If yeah. you really are doing everything to glorify the Lord, even the things that you're confused about, even the things that don't feel glamorous, mm. they don't feel worshipful, really can be with just a perspective change and an attitude change, which really also speaks to where you are going with your message, yeah. that the wonder can be brought back at any time to focus on the Lord changes their overwhelmed perspective, which was really, really encouraging, a good reminder, good, mm -hmm. good reminder. Yeah, the, the monotonous and the, the everyday become sacred in a sense. Mm -hmm. You know, when we are when we are doing what um, Pastor Pat first brought it out in his message on worship several weeks ago, but he talked about worship, where that mm -hmm. word is from. And uh, that's how I like to think of it. Um, and I think it's a good thing to, to preach to ourselves is that everything that we do that ascribes worth to the Lord right? That's, that's worship. I'm acting in a way because of my relationship to the Lord, because of his commands, because of his love for me, I, I react in a way that's saying that is worth everything to me. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, like I said, in the message too, that, you know, we all worship, you know, we, in a sense that there is a sense where we worship our spouse or we mm -hmm. worship, uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ in a sense. Right. But it's not the ultimate worship, the worship flows to the highest point. That's the Lord. Um, but we are ascribing worth in everything that we do. Um, and so that's just, that's important to remember. I, I was talking to a, a friend the other day that never heard it before Pastor Pat said that, that worthship. Mm -hmm. It's like, man, that makes a lot of sense. You know, just ascribing worth with how you live. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. So there's people listening to this that are, you know, vacuuming the house or folding laundry or going for a run or lifting weights or whatever, or maybe driving in the car or something. And they're thinking, this is not Sunday morning. How can I be doing this in an attitude of worship? So you, you said right away, worship, uh, we sort of define it as uh, surrendering the moment, right? So how can yeah. we do all those other things that may be outside of a church building with yeah. a heart of true worship? What's the key there? Yeah, I think my mind immediately goes to Philippians chapter 2, which is a very f familiar passage. And it's, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It goes on to say, you know, paraphrasing a bit to, to shorten it, but... He's God, mm -hmm. right? And he knew he was God, but what did he do? He humbled himself. Mm -hmm. he, he made himself lower. Uh, and then it says, and he took it all the way, even to the point of death, even mm -hmm. the point of the cross. And so I think that's the key is, is having the, the mind of Christ and, um, and humbling yourself and doing things with that attitude that I'm going to serve those around me, mm -hmm. right? Serving people is serving Jesus. Uh, loving people like Jesus loves them is loving Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that just that sense of in everything we do, having the mind of Christ that I'm going to make myself lower so I can serve someone else. So in that sense, you know, changing the diapers and or vacuuming the, the living room or whatever is I'm loving other people and not doing it because, doggone it, I have to do this again, right. you know, that, that attitude. Right. But because I love my family, because I love my, my church family or my friends or whatever it is, um, that attitude of, you know, the same attitude that Jesus has as he, as he went to the cross for us. Mm. I'm laying down everything I have and, and dying to myself, literally dying, right? Uh, because of my love for others. That's worship, mm. you know? So because it's a heart attitude primarily, we can worship no matter where we are. We, worship follows us, right? It follows our heart. Yeah. Um, and we may not necessarily be worshiping when we're here on Sunday mornings. Mm. Yeah. 
how, so how does that one work? Oh my, <laughs> I've, I've often had that thought. I've shared this with the band before. And as Jason said, you know, I'm the pastor of music around here and, and we have conversations as a band on Sunday mornings and in rehearsals and things. And, um, I've, I've wondered out loud before, like how many Sundays I've, I've been here for 10 years, you know, mm. how many Sundays have I actually worshiped at Sailorville? Mm. You know, because I guarantee I've missed some. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's that's saying like playing all the music and being at all the services. And I guarantee I've missed some worship because I can catch myself getting in those modes of duty. Yeah. Right. Do it right. Sing the song. Play the notes. Make sure it's not distracting. You know, do your job type yeah. of thing, but not engaging my heart, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's that's something that's convicting to me all the time yeah. is like I you you can be at church and not worship, right? You can do anything that you do in your life and not worship, but that's where that hard attitude comes in, that, that mind of Christ. Am I, am I doing this because I'm laying down myself for someone else mm. and, and sacrificing myself, or am I doing it because, you know, I have to? It makes me think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, he's, he's praying, uh, tears, sweat drops, blood, in fact, and he says, not my will but yours be done. He's surrendering the moment he's surrendering his life, he's surrendering everything yeah. to the Lord. And Jesus, in a sense, from a human standpoint, didn't want that. But he's saying, God, whatever you want is what I want to do here. How have you handled that, Jason? I'm sorry, Meredith. You were. You guys you can can't ask see this it. Question, but, and then I okay. have a question okay. for okay. you. <laughs> okay. Um, I was going to just fire it back at Jason. Like, Jason does a lot of stuff. He's, he's on screens and putting people in order in groups and, and making <laughs> phone calls and all those things. Like, what, how does that work for you? Do, you? do you find yourself worshiping in that, or is it? Like how, what is that for you? It's a great question. It, uh, it's a good reminder, number one, that, yeah. uh, you know, especially this time of year, we're going into the fall season. And so there's a there's a big um, push towards what we call community groups. We want people to be in small groups around yeah. here. We think it's yeah. a really good way to consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. To worship. Um, <laughs> and to think about that as worship. Yeah. And my job is in part this time of year trying to help people find their communities and so if I have the right kind of heart attitude when I'm even surrendering, when I'm looking at spreadsheets and websites and modules and all the rest of that stuff that we do around here, uh, I've got to surrender all of that and loosen up control, Yeah. Uh, open up my hands and say, hey, God, you're not just in this, but you, this, this has to be all about you. We can't just bring him along in this process. Like we couldn't just bring him along in our marriage or in our parenting or in our job or in our vacuuming or in our you know, playing guitar on Sunday mornings or whatever. Yeah. I'm going to go back to the back. <laughs> but no, it's a great reminder that what, whatever your title is, whatever your role is at home, in church, in society, that worship has to absolutely be, be uh, a, a massive part of who you are. It should be a lens that you look through, that you feel through, that you think through in everything you do. Yeah. You know what she's going to say later? She's going to say, Jason, that there, some worship needs done in the living room there. And Jason is very now. good. <laughs> He's very good at housework. He, he loves to share the load very well. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> My question for you, Paul, yeah. is you, in your sermon, named Sunday morning as one of those worry opportunities oh, for yeah. you. Yeah, that's right. And you're preaching on worship. <laughs> and so now looking back at something that would have been nerve-wracking or fear-inducing or cause yeah. you to worry so much, Preaching on worship, now sinning two days after, mm-hmm. what do you see differently? Walk us through the practical. This was scary. I, I didn't really want to do this. But this is how the Lord has has blessed. This is how what I learned about him. This is how I love him or see him more. Yeah. Talk us through that. Yeah, th- that's a great question. I, I, um, 
there is worship in the stretching, right? There's Mm -hmm. worship in the stretching of, um, you're not good at certain things, or at least I look at things. And this is, this is one of my, my sin areas of comparing myself to other people. Mm -hmm. And I have to remind myself that, you know, we're a, we're a body, right? The church is a body and I, I might be a big toe and someone else might be the elbow or whatever, but we all do our jobs. And if one doesn't do the job, this is biblical, right? This is in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where would the whole body be if everyone wanted to be an eye and tried to be an eye, right? So I come at these preaching opportunities that I get few and far between. And I think of, you know, Jason sitting next to me here. I think of him preaching, does a great job. I think of pastor Pat, I think of pastor Kurt, mm-hmm. you know, John Nemers who's preached here and, and, litany of people Mm -hmm. who've preached and I compare myself and say, I'm just a guy that plays guitar, right? I'm not, I shouldn't be up here. This is not my, my wheelhouse. Um, but I I think to answer that question that that I have to preach to myself. And again, that's something that I try to keep reminding myself of is, you know, like I said in the sermon that we all preach to ourselves, and and pastor says this often, this is not original with me, it's his, but, um, we're, we're the preacher that we listen to the most. Mm -hmm. And so I I just add into that and make sure it's a good sermon. Right. Mm -hmm. So I have to keep reminding myself that, um, which I brought up in the sermon as well. Second Corinthians 12 is one of my favorite passages because I feel weak often, mm-hmm. right? And I think most of us do, if we're honest. Uh, we have those areas that we're, we especially feel weak in, but when, when we submit those things to the Lord, get stretched in those times of doing the things you're not good at, um, do your due diligence and work at them, but in the spaces that you're weak, God says, I'll make, my power is made perfect, right? Yeah. Everything that that means, and that's tough to kind of put into words, my my power is made perfect in your weakness. I don't fully understand that if I'm honest, but uh, I know as far as my brain can stretch, God shows up more powerfully in my weakness than in my strengths, than mm-hmm. in my wheelhouse. So in that sense, like, man, I, I kind of, maybe we all should kick ourselves a little bit. We should be looking for those opportunities of, of uh, where is my wheelhouse? Not where's God calling me to be stretched mm-hmm. and to be in those places? That's not my area of expertise. Um, pull me into those so He can really work, you know, in a big way. So I preach that to myself and and just try to remember that that um, I shared this story. I don't know if I ever shared it on a podcast before, but there was a there was a worship service uh, several months ago where. I, so preface this every fall, pretty much I lose my voice at mm-hmm. least once <laughs> one Sunday or I fight it hard anyway. And, uh, that was happening last fall and my voice was going and I got through the first service on this particular Sunday and I thought, you know, no big deal. I was praying God just, uh, you know, glorify yourself through this. And by that I met God, give me my voice back. <laughs> but by, by answering that prayer, he took my voice from me uh, after the first service yeah. and I was thinking, okay, what am I going to do? And, um, Adam Moeller, our intern yep. walked in yep. and I said, Hey buddy. And I croaked. I didn't say, mm-hmm. I, I said, Hey, uh, I, I don't have a voice. I can't sing. Can you come up here and, and help me out lead this? And so yeah. he, without any rehearsal, he threw his ears on and just long story short, there was a couple times because he hadn't rehearsed with us that the, the song messed up and we had to start over again. And, yeah. and we just stopped one time in the middle the, the song had kind of gone sideways <laughs> off the rails and we stopped and I said, Hey, you know, Adam's up here and he's serving and I thank God for him. And I love worshiping with you to the congregation, you know, and, and just said that croaked out these, know, sincere thoughts of my heart. And I just said, let's start again, you know, and we did. And, um, and I've never gotten as much good feedback of people that were moved in worship. That that's, that's the service out of my 10 years being here that I've never gotten that much good feedback of people wow. saying, man, that was powerful. It's wow. like, it wasn't, you know, 
Beethoven symphony or anything like that. It was a bunch of people giving their all and messing up and trying again. And that's perfect. That's, that's really, really impactful to, to people. And that was impactful to me that the thing that God used the most, or at least that was, you know, fed back to me was a time when we messed up and just loved each other and then tried again. You know, that's pretty powerful that God just, he, he works in ways that we don't think is the right way sometimes, but it ends up being the best way. You're actually saying, you've said it a couple different ways, but what you're saying really is that God's version of perfect, like mm. his power is perfect and our mm-hmm. weakness is very different from our version of perfect. Yeah, right. And usually when he's glorified, it looks drastically different than what we had planned or what we had hoped to go on. Yeah. I was just reading in, uh, you brought up, you saying that brings up uh, reading this morning in Jonah. Uh, and how, how Jonah, you know, he, he was, he ran from God and then God in his mercy, you know, s- spared him and then spared Nineveh. But in that whole thing, even though uh, Jonah was, you know, he was, God had saved him and everything and was saving Nineveh, God still, or Jonah still was like, this is not the right way. This is not the way it's supposed to be. They're still supposed to rebel and you're still supposed to, you know, smite them or whatever, you know, um, to use an old King James word. But, uh, you know, that's, but that dr- drives home that point that our way of perfect is not, you know, God's way of perfect, right? He, he knows the end from the beginning. He sees it all and has ordained it all and mm-hmm. is sovereign over all. And so my job is to, is to submit to that even when it's uncomfortable. And, and that's, you know, a way to show worship, yeah. right? Yeah. Submitting myself. Which is another way of saying surrendering, right? So yeah, surrender the moment. Paul, the title of your message is overwhelmed. Uh, when I, when I heard that, saw that, heard you begin to talk about that, I thought, man, this is going to be great. Paul's going to talk about what we need to do when we're overwhelmed with, you know, the way you define it as being buried under something that's really, really heavy. And Crushed I thought, under a way, yeah. this is going to be fantastic. Tell us how to stop being overwhelmed. And, and actually what you did was you said, we, there are times when you're going to be overwhelmed sure. with the, with the burdens of life. Some of them sin, some of them just things that are happening to you. But the, the play there is that the, the cure is to be overwhelmed with God, mm-hmm. overwhelmed by God. Mm-hmm. And I think I heard you say something like worry and worship can never coexist. Worry Wor- and worship are wor- cures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, worry and worship are cures for each other. Yeah. It, yeah. That's so good. I, I think that, you know, for a guy that's really simple, and I, I love those quick little phrases sometimes, mm-hmm. that just is stuck in my mind when... When I'm having a difficult time with worry or, or being anxious or being stressed or concerned about something, um, you know, the, the cure is to worship. Mm-hmm. And when I'm having a difficult time worshiping and surrendering, and maybe for me it's like I'm trying to hold on to control of something, maybe the, the cure to that is worship. Yeah. Actually seeing God for who he is and me for who I am. Yeah, I love I'm, that. You guys do, I mean, that, that I'm assuming a huge part of your role as counselors is just talking to people about how to cure worry from a biblical standpoint yeah meredith counsels a lot more than i do she can speak to that way better i think how would you do that oh man how do you do that uh holy spirit reliant is how honestly (laughs) there's a lot of prayer involved and there isn't i think one of the things that um separates us as biblical counselors here at sailorville is people don't come to us for us to tell them how to fix themselves we open up God's word together and say, I'm struggling with this too. Mm-hmm. Let's see what God's word says and how we can become more like Jesus together. And so often the Lord allows you to, to just have a minute or two ahead of where somebody else is just so you can be 
speak a little bit more confidently about what you've seen him do and who he is. But the point that you made about um, being overwhelmed by God's majesty, mm-hmm. you know, watching who he is, understanding why he is who he is and, and what that means to us. He says he's good. What does, what does that actually look like? And what impact does it have on our life? And how does it cause us to go back and say, I'm not, and you are, and mm-hmm. that gap between us is overwhelming. And Christ is what fits inside of it. Mm-hmm. It fits in that gap so perfectly. So often we, we come back to, it has to be Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the answer. And when you read through you know, especially the Gospels, you read through and you watch. This is where Jesus went, and this is who he talked to, and this is how he talked to them, and these are the things that he talked about, and then he went over here and talked to this person, and this is who he spent time with, and these were the priorities to him. It's easier to hear his voice. It's mm-hmm. easier to start to behave like he did or to think like he did because you're, you're watching him, you're looking for him. And when you do that, you do get just awestruck. <laughs> you just stand and think, Man, he he was he was human. He had the ability to suffer through all of the same things that I am, to be confronted with all of the same frustrations and problems and annoyances that I do, and yet he did it without sinning. Mm-hmm. So there is a way. <laughs> he was fully God as well. So so he has help, but he's here to help me at the same time. So Paul. Um you kind of got into a uh, theological thing here, general and special revelation. Mm-hmm. Uh, teach us a little bit of the difference there between those two. And Meredith, you brought it up too here, uh, went overwhelmed by God. Uh, what's the difference there between general, what we call general revelation, mm-hmm. and then what we might call special revelation? And why do we need one over the other? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say we, we well... I'll rephrase that. Just to start off, general general revelation, just in basic, is is... Uh, God's everyday revelation of himself to everybody through his creation, right? Uh, like a sunset or like exactly. the, the mountains exactly. or like we, the Iowa corn. The Iowa corn especially, right? <laughs> Sweet corn, not a Grimes. Yes. That's so beautiful. <laughs> That's so beautiful. You're a Grimes guy? Yeah. Oh, I love that stuff. Okay. I love that stuff, yeah. yeah. I mean, you put enough butter and salt on anything, it's going to be good. <laughs> but that stuff especially is super good. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, general revelation being, you know, creation. I reference Romans chapter one, which is probably the most famous passage of, of um, you know, general revelation, God revealing himself to everyone so that they're without excuse. Mm-hmm. Romans tells us that what can be, what can be known of God is clearly seen through his creation. He's literally telling everyone in the entire world, every living thing he's telling, I'm here. I made all this right. Um, you know, you look at those pictures we showed on Sunday and that you can get online right now and look at the, the James Webb stuff, the James Webb telescope that NASA put out there and Mm -hmm. just astounding because they've taken the same pictures that they took with the Hubble telescope, but there's so much more high definition now and just seeing the intricacy and seeing, uh, you know, in one frame you're, you're seeing probably, you know, 300 white dots and they're all galaxies. Right. And it's just like, as far as you can see, um, there's just creation and glory and majesty. And so, so God reveals himself generally to everyone. Right. But the special revelation, the, the, uh, the deeper part. So we said general revelation was God saying, this is who I am and what I'm like, right? He shows us who he is through creation, but special revelation being the scriptures and especially how Jesus is revealed through the scriptures is God saying, this is, this is who I am and what I'm like, but really, really magnified, mm-hmm. right? Really, really in great detail. Because if you want to know what 
God is God the Father is like. You look at Jesus. You look yeah. at His Son. He's the exact representation of the Father, mm-hmm. wearing skin, right? Mm-hmm. And so we 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 know that uh, you know God laughs and God gets angry and all those things because Jesus did all those things, right? Um, and so it's it's important uh, it's important to know general revelation just because you know it, it at least it reminds me. I know when I'm out. Uh, walking or something often I'll I'll look up at a sunset or something if I'm walking in the evening and just when I begin to pray I would say um, you know, God maker of heaven heaven and earth and I know some people do it differently but I, I I say that just to kind of remind myself who I'm talking to mm-hmm. and uh, and then and then just say you know God maker of heaven and earth and redeemer of my soul mm-hmm. right and just remind myself that that kind of has both of those in there, right? General revelation, maker of heaven, earth, and redeemer of my soul through Christ. He has redeemed me. He's revealed himself and, and sent his son to the cross for me. Um, and so that's just, uh, that's just a, a really powerful thing that I do practically, but um, they're both important. We all stand, we all stand before God without excuse because of who he's shown us, shown us uh, um, how he showed himself to be rather in, in creation, but he specifically revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And we can see, exactly who he is and what he did in scripture. And so, um, that's, that's the gospel. That's what we magnify, uh, to as many people as we can. Um, so both important, yeah. um, but you know, one's just, one's just a clearer picture. One's like the, the Hubble, which is amazing. And one's uh, like the James Webb, yeah, which is sure, sure. <laughs> intricate. Sure. Right? That's a good comparison. Yeah. <laughs> and we need that special revelation, you know, Christ scripture yeah. for, for salvation. Yes. Right. So when yes. we, when we look at who God is, that's that revelation, and we match ourselves up. We try. Well, we we try to put our put ourselves next to that. We realize that gap that's it's between large, us yeah. and him. And when we grasp that gap, like you said on Sunday morning, it's another great phrase, Paul, that really helps us um, fall into that heart mode of surrender. I mean, how do you respond any different than surrender when you see how great God is and how yeah. not great you are? And yet, Jesus came for you for your sin that's a massive gap yeah it'd be, it'd be a good study sometimes to do just to look at the gaps in scripture you know the i, I always go back to psalm 103 we were laughing about mm-hmm. that a little bit earlier that's my favorite passage of scripture but it has two of the the great gaps of scripture and he's uh, as far as the the heavens are above the earth so great is his love towards those uh, who fear him and then the the uh then he separated our sins as far as east from the west you know these these unimaginable you can't really fathom it's like saying infinity right mm-hmm. you can't imagine those gaps but he describes thing to those those to us in those words but yeah but just the i think of uh the story of the uh the uh, the debtor you know mm-hmm. in scripture the parable and how how much he was forgiven mm-hmm. you know and then he didn't go forgive but that's you know it, it's just a, a smaller way of saying or of of illustrating um uh the the gap of my sin and what God's done for me and how much he's forgiven me, you know? So it's a good thing to remind ourselves up of, uh, as we try to live lives of worship, right? As I've been forgiven much, so I need to love much. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's, let's get down to really, really practical, right? So we've got people that are in, in all kinds of different scenarios right now. They're, they're working, they're um, doing stuff at home. They're maybe going to class or just getting ready to start back in, in college or something like that. Maybe even going back to school. Um, how do we, how do we, how do we live like this? How do we wake up every morning and begin to practice this overwhelm? What are some things that maybe right away we need to do? Give us the, give us the daily habits, the daily disciplines, the daily, uh, here's, here's some things you, you got to have part of your day. Start your day like this, continue your day this way. 
um, speak to like, you know, normal people here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'll throw this back at you guys too, because you guys have really good practical suggestions too. I I think one of the first things that comes to my mind, what pastor says uh, a lot here at Sailorville is, is put your armor on, right? Get into God's word. I think Mm -hmm. our habits as people, and I know myself, I I fall into a habit sometimes. I want to like know the latest news, Mm -hmm. you know, things that are going on in the world. Right. And as soon as you start down that rabbit hole of the latest things that are going on, you know, you get on Twitter and you get on social media and whatever news site you go on and whatever. And all of a sudden it's just like, uh, you know, the, yeah, the right. world is crashing in on <laughs> that's you overwhelmed because, in a different way. Yes, yeah. exactly. But that's, that's my point is yeah. that you have to overwhelm yourself first, right? Uh-huh. Overwhelm yourself first with worship. And then the other overwhelming stuff can submit to that, right? Instead of having f- to fight that backwards, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. To be overwhelmed with, with what's going on in the world first. That's and then so good right back. there. So don't dig yourself a hole right away yeah. in the morning. Yeah, that's a good right? way to put with, it. Yeah. With all, it doesn't even have to be news. It's just things from the night before, emails and text messages or social media stuff or whatever, mm-hmm. just the chaos or the busyness. So don't put yourself behind the eight ball right away in the morning. Yeah. Start every day by doing what you can to be overwhelmed yeah. by God. It's a yeah. great beginning. That's yeah. good. What about you guys? What would you say? Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I just love what you were talking about. I think yeah. that, um, you know, taking deep breaths as you're looking at creation is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think we've got to turn off the noise and recognize that uh, we we run ourselves ragged and yeah. we can't possibly be overwhelmed by God when we are being overwhelmed by all the things that we allow into our lives or cause in our own lives. And that's where that worry and worship can't coexist, right? I I just love that phrase again. And I I think we've got to intentionally uh, cast our cares on him because he cares for us. And to me, like my own personal life, that means um, I I have to physically see myself casting these worries, whatever they are. And some of them are good things, right? I'm just viewing them as uh, things that I have to control, you know, family, work, finances, future, whatever, news, mm-hmm. and putting those things like in a box and casting them on Jesus and uh, and doing that because he genuinely cares and loves. And I've got to see those two things as like in attention, worry and worship. And so replacing worry with worship or else the other just naturally happens. Mm-hmm. I was going to say too, this might be a weird practical thing, but it, it sprung to mind because it does help me. <laughs> but I was going to say, uh, get a hammock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> because hammocks are outside and they make you look up. And we have such a problem in our culture of looking up. Like we, we are so, we're such a looking down people, uh. right? We're always looking at everything and I'm guilty of it as, as the next guy, you know, because I want to know that news and the next thing and everything. But I found uh, my wife got a hammock recently for us and put it out in the backyard. And when you go out there and you just, you know, sit back on it, you're looking up and it's very hard to, for me, it's very hard to look at the sky without thinking more deeply about spiritual things. Wow. Yeah. And I don't know if, I don't know if that's just me. I, I, I'm guessing it's not just me, right? Because the sky is probably the most overwhelming thing. Mm. Uh, the sky or the ocean or, you know, we don't live near a Grand Canyon or anything like that, but you know, um, looking into those great big mystery things that God puts right in front of us. Yeah puts awe into our hearts somehow. Yeah. Right. So you don't have to buy a hammock. You can just go out and lay on the grass or something, but, but to look up, you know, go, um, go do your devotions in the woods if you can sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that was a great suggestion that, um, um, pastor Kurt here gave me when I was really struggling through Mm -hmm. some anxiety and stuff. And man, it really helped because I just, you get outside of yourself and look at the bigger picture and, and creation screaming, 
God's here. And then mm-hmm. scripture tells me God loves me. And wow, you know, that's pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. So just a good habit. That's super good. Just don't do it in January, maybe. It's, it's a little uncomfortable. <laughs> do it. Or make sure you have your parka. <laughs> yes, that's right. Snow angels, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think one of the one of the things that we kind of just slough off that Isaiah did really well in this passage was confess sin mm-hmm. and stare at that yeah, gap. And I think we we don't want to, to do that. I think Satan comes in and says, you're not really that bad. You're not really that bad. And as soon as they start to believe it, he flips and then will accuse you. You're worse than you ever thought you could be. And it's a lose-lose situation. So if you don't spend time with the Lord first, you are not going to be equipped. I mean, part of the armor of God is, you know, his word is a double-edged sword and can splice down mm-hmm. to the to the nth degree Mm -hmm. and you have to have that when you're being fed lie after lie after lie Mm -hmm. both from your flesh that's still seeking sin and satan and this sin cursed world if you don't have that you're just going to believe everything and i think sometimes we try to dissect those those there's some truth to this lie like satan's really good at including truth in his lies instead of throwing the whole thing out we try to dissect it and we get distracted by trying to separate all of that where the word of god would just slice it away Mm -hmm. and give you truth and from the get-go from the beginning and that's so important and i think um for women it, it needs to look a certain way we've we've bought into the lie that it needs to look social media worthy. Mm-hmm. It needs to be able to be postable for mm. it to count, which is not true at all. Yeah. It can it can be absolutely, the Lord can meet you anywhere. Mm-hmm. He can encourage you and give you truth and show himself absolutely anywhere, outside, inside, in your bedroom, in your bathroom, in a closet, at your desk. Um, it doesn't need to involve a fire and a blanket and a cup of coffee with mm-hmm. a sleeping dog at your feet, um, which sounds wonderful. Everyone does that, though, right? That's what I don't does. know anyone that actually does that. That's why Christians buy dogs. <laughs> so they can put it on Instagram. Devotional dogs? It's not worship without a poodle. But if that's what you're striving for, if you get yeah. to the place where you're like, I can't have that today, so I'm just going to forget it. Instead of reorganizing and reorienting yourself to God's word, which is important instead of having that moment that you think you need and getting distracted by the world again. You really, you have to go back and meet with the Lord, whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like. You need to be able to start on truth so that you can distinguish the lies or else you'll be down the spiral. You'll be down the rabbit hole of God doesn't love me. He is holding out on me. He's not giving me his mist, which is the same thing that he fed Eve in the garden. Yeah. Those same never lies. Changed. It never changes. He's uh-uh. not coming up with new stuff. He doesn't have to. The same old junk is still working yeah. on us. That's <laughs> not broke, right? It's not yeah. broke, but we do need each other to be yeah. able to come around and say, hey, don't fall for that again. And, and on a really practical note, too, if you're looking to, you know, counsel or minister to others, which you know, we mentioned that we all are counselors, you mm-hmm. know, those, those things that you said are postable, you know, those, those snippets of life, you know, I, going back to what we talked about earlier, maybe a little bit, but, uh, the, the postable is, is rarely impactful mm-hmm. to people, right? Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the warts and the cuts and the scrapes, you know, that are really impactful to people because everyone's showing up, you know, in real life, not on their Instagram account in real life, they all have cuts and scrapes and bruises and stuff and they just don't want to show them. But, when you're willing to show those to other people, um, 
and, and say, Hey, I've been down that road. That's the impactful stuff, you know, not necessarily the devotional dog. Paul, that's one of the things that I deeply appreciate about you is the authenticity that you, um, you approach every, every conversation. And I know this last Sunday morning, you know, you don't preach often from the stage like this in a, in a sort of a message kind of way, but Mm -hmm. you do preach with your life. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the ways you do that is by being humble and meek and, uh, and being authentic and real about some of the stuff that God has allowed and maybe even some of the stuff you've, you've brought on your own self and Mm -hmm. people celebrate victories, right? We, we like that, but people actually will connect with your weaknesses and you've been one of those guys that has been intentionally, uh, and rightfully authentic and maybe vulnerable. I don't know the right word, but thanks for doing that. We thanks. we see ourselves in the things that you're saying, and we should see ourselves in the victories that God has brought into your life even more. Thanks. I'm yeah. the most humble person here. So yeah. Well, when you're talking about parts <laughs> Sorry, of the that's, body, that's I, my favorite like, dad joke, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm the nose in the body. I'm always the nose everywhere I go. So, yeah. This is this is all audio, so people won't see. But. Um, Paul, what, I, I appreciate how you bring out the mystery in, in the mundane, right? And that's got to be a mm-hmm. part of worship. When, when you sit around and think, wow, this, this is amazing. This is overwhelming. Uh, we need to do that more. And yeah. you are part of uh, what God, you, you're one of those guys that God uses to do that in, in my life, in our world. And I, you know, if, if, if I appreciate that, it, it, if we don't worship in the mundane, you're very rarely going to worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. Most of life, most right? of life is yeah. is putting one foot in front of the other and yeah. doing the next right thing, you know, yeah. you know that. And so, if you don't learn to worship in those everyday things, then and you just save it for an hour on Sunday, that's yeah. a, that's a pretty bland life. Yeah. Right? But don't you think when you do worship, all of a sudden it's not mundane? Yeah. Your life is not. It changes mundane. your perspective. It really does. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. what did, I lost it. You were talking about oh, things change when God reveals Himself. Oh yeah. Even in the dishes, even in the vacuuming, even uh-huh. in mowing the lawn and going to work on the same drive every day, mm-hmm. God reveals himself when, we, when we're when we able to look mm-hmm. and say, okay, I'm looking for you now. Yeah. I'm, I'm watching. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting to see what you do next. Yeah, that person that's having, you know, a struggle with their husband or wife, you know, when they start looking at, at, at serving that person mm-hmm. as worship, mm-hmm. it changes how you look at that person, mm-hmm. right? If you have a... a what we sometimes say, you know, EGR, you know, extra grace required people, you know, those people that are just have those personalities that get under your skin. And we all have those different, you know, reactions to people. Sometimes when you start looking at that person, um, and, and viewing, loving that person as worship, it changes your attitude Mm -hmm. towards them, you know? And, uh, and you start looking at yourself and go, maybe I was the one that needed the extra grace, (laughs) you know? So yeah, it does change your perspective. Really good. Thank you. Um, Paul, thanks for your ministry Sunday morning and beyond mm-hmm. Sunday morning, right? Uh, you didn't even pick up a guitar on Sunday. And uh, <laughs> I just super appreciate who you are and what you did thanks. and what you continue to do. Meredith, well, thanks for being a part of this as well. Always I was going to preach with the guitar on, but that about would be so fun. <laughs> That'd be so fun. And Tanner, our tech uh, producer, running around back here. Thanks, thanks for Tanner. what you do as well. And and thank you, everybody, for listening. And, you know, the important part about what we've said today is that Jesus wants to be um, your everything. And mm-hmm. you can find him through Scripture. And uh, we want you to fall in love with the Lord. And um, if you have questions about that, please uh, leave a comment or, or get back to us somehow. We'd love to have a conversation with you about that. Being a worshiper starts with the gospel and understanding Christ died for us and rose again so we could have life and life more abundantly. And uh, that's what worship is all about. Just seeing the gospel clearly and starting there and then seeing the wonder in life as a result of it.
Well said. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody, and we will see you again or uh, speak to you again, I guess, uh, <laughs> next time. Thank you.